This is God's word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith, with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it, if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The word of the Lord. So, do you remember? Um, do you remember your first experience having to give a speech, having to stand up in front of people? Oh, so terrifying. Um, you know, the, do you remember the, the sweat? <laughs> Uh, possibly the trips to the bathroom beforehand, you know, the nervousness, uh, trying to remember maybe your key points. For me, it was always trying to avoid those three or four space fillers that I always tend to land on. You know, um, kinda, like. <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of uh, my own interaction with my my wife over the years of preaching has been just around those kind of issues. Just listen to yourself. How many times do you say kind of? How many times do you say like? You know? After a while, people just start to hear those words only, right? So do you remember the, just the... And then, and then there's the terror of, of um, standing up, kind of turning and seeing all the eyes. I mean, I remember one of the first times, it, it hit me so hard, one of the first times I had to give some kind of speech in front of a class. I think it was third or fourth grade, and I remember... That that moment of turning and seeing everyone look at me, just everything went out the window. It was like completely terrifying and debilitating, and I was done. And it was part of some really scary scenario of of um, uh, people. Some people were volunteering to try to um, qualify to go on to some regional thing where you'd you'd have some part of a play or something you'd memorize and you'd act it out in front or you'd give a speech. And I remember that the students had to grade. Their own fellow students, you know. So you get down and everybody kind of, you know, on the ballot, mark the name that they thought uh, did the best, and you get to go skip school or some regional thing if you did well. And I remember sitting in my seat and knowing I didn't have to see the results. I bombed. I mean, it just it was it was so shocking to see all those eyes. And then I moved on. I mean, when I went in, in the seminary, sitting in preaching class, it wasn't all that different. With seminarians, no less, who are really good at picking things apart, by the way. People in seminary, man, it's like what you're being trained to do. And to have these people, you know, you, you give your little message in front of them, they're all taking notes, and then you sit down, and then they fire away. Right after, you have the, the review session, right after you sit down, and you talk about terrifying, right? And, and rattling, and unsettling, and agitating. Um, in some, some ways, it's a miracle I ever became 
through just a lot of doing it over and over, became a little bit comfortable just standing up here right now. When we look at chapter 12 of the book of Romans, um, we're looking at something the Christian life promises um, to really offer you and something that's, that's possible, and that is to transition from an unsettled, kind of agitated way of life to a settled way of life. And when you look at chapter 12, you see that there, it starts with a therefore. And when um, Bible scholars and commentaries see that word, they say, you know, they're all trained to do this, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? You know, why is it there? What is it pointing back to? And so um, the universal opinion on this one is that it's a, it's a pretty comprehensive one. We have a dramatic shift in this whole letter, and that's why out of the few passages we picked, we picked this one because it's this big transition. You know, all the stuff that's been now said, the foundation of the last 11 chapters of writing about God and about Jesus and about what's happened through Jesus, now we're in a transition. Therefore, on that foundation, now let's talk about this life, which as you look at it, you see that it's unusual. It's the, it's the kind of life of being, and all the rest of the chapters of this book, it's about being just settled in a way that it really is kind of unnatural for us to live. We, we live much more unsettled, agitated, rattled in our spiritual existence. Therefore. So there's something promised here that, that the more you connect with God, the more you know the story of God, chapters 1 through 11, the more you know what God has done, really, this, this really is offered to you that there will be a sort of different quality of life, just a being settled day in and day out. And not living kind of from one agitating thing to another thing that riles you up. There's a sort of a, a thread of being settled that runs through life. And in this particular, as we get into just the beginning of that today, there's three questions that I think this passage is helping us ask of ourselves and point us in the direction of some answers. And the questions are, are go like this. Are you settled by the gospel, number one? And then number two, are you settled to sacrifice? And number three, are you settled in your own skin? So, are you settled by the gospel, settled to sacrifice, settled in your own skin? Let's start with the gospel. Are you settled by the gospel? But, you know, the un- let's, let's just think about the unsettled life. What is the unsettled life that I'm talking about? You and I know it well. I mean, we can, all, we can go there pretty easily. It's, that, it's the life of waking up in the morning and walking into the kitchen and seeing the, the ice cream on the counter that was left out by a roommate or a spouse in the puddle there for you to clean up because they're already gone to work or wherever, school or whatever. And you're agitated. And you're unsettled. You're mad. You're whatever. And you clean it up, but you do it with resentment. And, you know, that's just one more little mark on that person's list of the marks that you've been adding up. You're unsettled, right? You, it, the unsettled life is showing up at work and realizing that you, just, you do not have that report, the, the paper that you printed out at home that you need right now and it rattles you and you can't and you're grouchy for the rest of the day and you take it out on other people it's the unsettled life right you get a call or you get a letter in the mail that says that um, that the results that came out on your on your terrier um, say that your, your dog's sick it wasn't just a routine rabies trip to the vet but he's sick and now you're you're torn up and your weekend is ruined it's you know it's, you got this great date with this guy who looked like Brad Pitt and he was so kind and so funny and smart and he's not calling back. 
you know? And now your whole identity is torn up. Unsettled life. It's like our lives sometimes can be just going from one agitation to the next, and it's like we live in this cloud. It's like you ever cleaned out a fish tank? You know how you have to do that every once in a while? You ever seen someone do it, and you, you watch while they're doing it, and they're scraping and scraping and agitating all the rocks, and it becomes just this cloud of gunk and stuff you can't see through, and you wonder, how are those fish doing in there? It doesn't look very good. And, and for some of us, that's our internal reality all the time, just kind of agitated and we can't even see clearly to what's next or to who we are. Agitated life. The settled life looks awfully good when we look at it from that kind of perspective. You know, the settled life where, let's take a few other things, where, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic. And you're in the kind of place where you just, you're just thinking about that person and what's going on with them. What led up to them being so, you know, so in a hurry today? And you're just, and you let out a little prayer for that person. <laughs> you know, the settled life, right? Does that seem a little far off for you to be in that kind of place? You have a friend who snubs you, you know, and you just kind of say, ah, you know, all right, it's, I like them, I've had a good past with them and stuff, but, you know, if they, they want to do that, so be it. I'm okay. I don't need them, right? The settled life. You, 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 you know, you find out, you go online, you find out that you're, let's say you own property, you own a house, and you just, you realize that in the real estate slump, it's lost 30% of its value, which is absolutely not uncommon in the last few years in this area. And you just kind of say, oh, well, I'll, I'll live on rice and beans for a while, no big deal, ha, just a house, I've still got all, everything that matters. The settled life is more like, um, like picture a, out, out in the middle of the woods, a pond that is, that is so still that the water is like glass and you see the reflection of all the trees in the background. And uh, if a, a fish jumps up and, and uh, agitates the water or if a pine cone drops off a tree, it just kind of drops and it is sort of absorbed and the ripples go out and are absorbed by the whole thing and within minutes it's glass again and there's that beautiful reflection and the settled life. Why is that so difficult for us to get to? Why is it so difficult for us to find that? And I want to point to a couple of things. Before we get to the gospel, I just want to point to a couple of realities underneath the surface because usually we look at the surface and we look at the superficial things. But what's going on underneath the surface of the agitated, unsettled life? Let's talk about two things. Let's talk about fear and anger. Two biggies. There's more I could mention, but just think about those things and how they're at work all the time. Your fears. Fears of not being accepted. Fears of failing. Fears of the unknown. A fear of intimacy because you might get hurt. Fears of being lonely. Or fears that, that come out in just a daily or weekly kind of set of worries about what might happen if you don't do this, that, and the other. Fears are, are operating in the subterranean level all the time. Anger. Anger because in some way in life, maybe in a really significant way or in a lot of little ways that add up, um, you have gotten a raw deal. You haven't gotten what you think you deserve. Or something that you have is taken away from you. Or someone that you know has it better than you. And so you're, you're angry. Or maybe you just sort of like, you don't even know why. You're angry. There's just sort of some anger there that flares up. I think that that, looking at those kind of things at the subterranean level are are much more helpful in understanding our problem with the unsettled life and also what the gospel is up against and what the gospel can do in your life. 
Let's remember, in this letter, Paul, he's saying now, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, he's looking at, he's saying all the rest of the things are about living in view of God's mercy. That's the source. God's mercy. Um, and that's, God's mercy doesn't just operate at the, the superficial level. It, it kind of finds its way in to the subterranean level to deal with things like fear and anger. And a good way to get at this, because this is looking back, this passage is looking back to things I already stated, is just, just hear these verses from Romans chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. I'm just going to read this. Follow me on this. I don't think it'll be hard to follow because it's, it's a pretty riveting glimpse of what's going on at the subterranean level of the person who knows God through Jesus. Who then can condemn? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's what's operating down there amidst the fears and the angers that we have sort of naturally in the, in the middle of our spiritual condition. When this, when this message of God, when, you're, when you know God's mercy in the way that Romans 8, that part that I just read, when you know that, when that sinks in, when you spend enough time with it to let it go down into the deeper layers of who you are and the deeper agitations of life, there's a transformative thing that can begin to happen. When, let's just take fear, for example. When fear... Our condition normally with fear is that it dominates and, and I can't relax about the future because it's in my hands to avoid certain outcomes in life. And so my actions are guarded and restrictive as a result. That's when fear dominates. But when the gospel dominates, that whole issue is transformed. And what replaces it? What replaces fear? Trust. When the gospel is dominating your inner kind of subterranean life, the life of your heart, trust dominates and I can finally relax because the future is not in my hands. My actions, you know what? My actions become free and bold and creative and not restricted anymore. Take anger. What is, what's going on with anger? When, when anger dominates, I'm so agitated that I, I really, in a sense, I'm giving myself over to the other people's problem. You know, I, I'm just mad, and I'm you know I'm talking about you this way, or I'm doing this kind of behavior, acting out, and it just ends up falling on other people to deal with my problem. And the gospel begins to get down, and and love begins to God's love really begins to replace anger. Then instead of giving myself over to be other people's problems, I begin to give myself over to be other people's solutions. The gospel gets into the, to, to the inner layers of your life where the agitation is really coming from and it settles your fears, calms your worries, and works against um, your anger 
and replaces them with trust and love. If you'll let it kind of make its way down. So are you settled by the gospel? That's just a question to ask yourself this morning. And the second question is, are you settled to sacrifice? Because verse two, 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2, as they begin this, this, this new kind of life, this settled life, it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Um... You know, sacrifice. Why, are, why do we not sacrifice more? Why do we not deny ourselves more so that others might benefit? It's not because we don't know what to do. It's not because we, we can't think of what that would look like. I think we know, you know, it looks like, well, I have this time over here, or this resource over here, or these talents over here, or this, this money over here, and I could, instead of getting all the benefit from it or getting a, this much benefit of it, I could allow this much benefit of it to go over this person so they benefit I mean that's like giving up on some benefit that is naturally coming to you and allowing it to go to someone else a sacrifice we, we can think of things to do in that vein our problem is not what does it look like our problem is how might I ever allow a sort of sacrificial life to, to kind of move into my to my world and my spiritual being to my outlook you know, how do I ever... I, I just don't desire to live more sacrificially. I maybe desire to desire it, but that's about all I can say, right? Well, it turns out most of us are doing exactly what Paul is speaking to when he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think most of us say, well, you know, I'm, I'm living, in terms of sacrifice, I'm living right there along with, with, with most people. I look at sacrifice through the lenses of, of maybe fear and anger. When I look at sacrifice through the lens of fear, I just see things I might lose, and I cling, and I hoard, and I grasp. You know, if I look at it through anger, then I think of myself as not getting a fair shake, and I need to do those same things. Cling, and hoard, and keep. And so... When I look at sacrifice, I'm looking at it with a cloud around me, in a sense, that keeps me from seeing the needs of others. Um, but Romans chapter 12 points us to that as the settled life. If you're settled, then you can sacrifice. John Calvin has a section of his big writings on the Christian faith called the Institutes of Christian Religion. He has this big section saying that self-denial is the sum of the Christian life. <laughs> That's what he says. And you think about, let's just look back again, because I sort of chosen as, as an anchor that we're looking back at is Romans chapter 8. Just this one part of it at the end, chapter, 30, chapter 8, verse 38 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I think it's a clear picture of why the settled life allows you to sacrifice. Because this, those verses are saying, I have something I could never be separated by. There's nothing in this world that could happen to take away what has become central to my existence. My settled heart is because of something God has done that can't be taken away. And so all this stuff around me just becomes a part of what can easily be given away so that others benefit. And you know, um, you could have three people uh, sacrificing, even in the exact same way. Three people giving something up for others. 
And you could have them doing it for three different reasons. You could have one person doing it out of religious guilt. I, I really think I should. The preacher said, you know, get better at sacrificing, so today I'm drumming up the courage to do so, and I'm going to do it and be a better person. There's the other person who might be doing it out of a, a progressive social conscience, you know. The world works best. I don't know about beliefs and about any sort of God and morality, but, you know, the world works best if we sort of just look out for each other. I mean, that's what's, that's what's best about humanity, right? So then you've got that reason why someone's doing the same thing. And then you've got a third reason. You've got someone who's doing it out of what I was talking about, out of the gospel, out of a settled heart, out of a, a heart that's filled by God's love. And see, the difference is this, is that the first two are absolutely dependent on being tugged by a need that's out there, right? It's usually really dependent on, I see this need, it pulls on me, I see what I can have and give towards it, and so I do it. Not necessarily, it could happen that way, but not necessarily with the gospel, because the gospel says, I have so much, I am so filled, regardless of things most people look at to say you have a full life, I have it, and so I... I'm just filled so much that I need to overflow in some way to those around me. It has to happen. It might not even happen by the more dramatic thing that's far away that I read in the newspaper. It's just happening with, with neighbors and family. It's, I just have to fill out, fill out of what I've already been filled with. I don't know if that, that picture of different ways of sacrificing maybe cracks things open for you in a new way this morning. But imagine that... Imagine, just think about this question. Have you ever... Have you ever looked at God long enough? Have you ever spent enough time staring at God and His mercy long enough that you find as a result you became more generous? Just as a result of knowing God, knowing what He's given you, what He's done for you. That's what it's like to be settled to sacrifice. Lastly, Romans 12 is pointing us towards the question, are you settled in your own skin? especially in verses 3 through 8. As the topic seems to change, but it's still settled life. It has to do with being settled in your own skin. Most of us are not, I should say, just starting out with this, most of us are not continually, constantly settled in our own skin. In fact, I think there's a, there's a, a really common problem that we, all, that we have, I don't know all of us, but a lot of us have, is that we, we seem to, to envy... Uh, the gifts and the life of someone else. We seem to picture that if we're going to really find ourselves or chart our course, we should look at someone else over there that looks a certain way that maybe we don't look, but we want to look that way. In a sense, it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like a, a little duckling looking at an antelope for how to be a duckling. You know, it's, a, it's like a lion cub looking at a at a duck. Let's reverse it to figure out how how I should be as a lion. And what ends up? Well, the, you know, the, the duckling ends up getting shred to bits in an antelope herd. Don't you love my analogies? And um, some of you did sniff that out. This is one I made up. And um, you get, a, you get a, a duckling that's shredded by an antelope herd, or you get a, a, a lion that's looking ridiculous. But isn't that exactly where we often find ourselves, is we have some idea that what, how God has wired and created me, that's not really what I should be striving to be. I should be looking over there to do that. And we end up getting shredded up in life and we end up looking ridiculous. 
And you know who's, you know who's best at this is ministers. <laughs> ministers are great at this. You know, we go to a conference of other ministers and we ask each other, how's your, how's your church doing? You know, and it's code word, it's code language for how big is it? <laughs> is it growing? Are you doing a good job leading it successfully? You know, and we carefully craft how we're going to present things as we tell other people about what we're doing or what our church is and, a lot of times it's all a game. A lot of times, you know, myself and others will sit there and we're just looking around going, oh, I haven't really arrived until I look like that kind of superstar looking pastor over there who gets calls to move across the country for that big church. And, and I'm not asked to speak at this conference or that one. And so I'm not quite there yet. And if you look at Romans 12, it's basically looking at all of us and saying, we all do that in some way. And I love what it comes down to in this little part of Scripture. Um, you know, this simply put, if you get prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. Encourage, then encourage. Give, then give. Lead, then lead. I mean, it's kind of like don't miss the obvious in your, in your, you know, pursuit of something glamorous. Just, who are you? You know, what's obvious? Just do that. But it's not just that. Because the real satisfaction is coming from, if you look at those verses, is coming from verse 3 and verse 6. In accordance with the faith, faith God has distributed to each of you. Or in verse 6, um, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And the idea is that there's no need to look for the glamorous, to look for the amazing in myself, because that's irrelevant to the grace God has given me. Just look for, look for being myself, and, and just knowing that God has, is very satisfied with me, very satisfied with what he's given me, and has, has a plan, that, therefore, to use that to distribute his grace. He's given you grace in a particular way that's already there. Your friends can see it. Your family can see it. People in your community pod can see it. It's just right there. It's probably the thing you're overlooking most. Just, just do that, and God will make his grace come alive through that. You get a sense of how settled that is to live that way. Um, so, those are the three questions. Are you settled by the gospel? Are you settled to sacrifice? Are you settled in your own skin? And if the answer is, you know, I wish I was more, or no, 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 on all three counts, then just... Just ask God to pour out his grace and his gospel into your life to settle your heart at the deeper level where really we, we can't settle it ourselves. And let's go to God in prayer now as we do that. Gracious God, we are so prone to agitation, to being unsettled. You pronounce these incredible things that are now true. They are, they're good news. They're not advice. They're just, they're, they've happened and they're true because of, because of Jesus on the cross. And your love is so available, pouring out into our lives. You're ready to use us. You're ready to transform us. So settle our hearts with those truths. Because we just seem to, to be so dense when it comes to believing that they're true, to believing that they apply to our fears and our angers and our pride, and our lust and everything else that's going on under the surface. Settle our heart, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.